What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Pod Capers, the official podcast of a place to hang your cape. And this week, there are a lot of, you know, cosmic-themed superheroes with Captain in their name. A lot of people in the military in space for some reason. Uh, who cares? We're talking about Captain Cosmic! Cue the music! Hello there, capers, and as I said, welcome to Pod Capers, the official podcast of a place to hang your cape. My name is Scott James Mirajou, and this is the show where we talk about various geek and nerd-related topics, and are joined each week by a very special different guest. My guest today is well-versed in the Silver Age of comics. Oh, boy. Give it up, capers, for Andy Clift! Hello there. How are you doing, Andy? I'm okay, I'm okay, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well indeed. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Kent at the moment, uh, which oh, really? is where I live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, the, it's weird. My dad's from Kent. Oh, really? That's cool. Whereabouts in Kent are you calling from, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Ashford. Ash- I don't know where that is. My dad's from Gravesend. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a little way away. Yeah, yeah. Famous Gravesend for the resting place of Pocahontas. That's right, America, we kept her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's a whole issue. We'll move swiftly on from that. So, <laughs> Captain Cosmic. Yeah. I'll be honest, I, I've only read one issue of Captain Cosmic. I really like it. I can't wait to talk about it. But before we do, we have to talk about you. Who are you? What do you do? What's your reason for being? What is your place in the grand cosmic scale? Um, who am I? Uh, well, I'm just, uh, I'm an illustrator and, uh, an animator. I, my, my background is in animation. I studied that for years and actually sort of partly teach it at a university. Um, Ooh, which one? Most of, one of the good ones. I hope so. Uh, no, I think so. Uh, university for the creative arts in Canterbury. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, um, I think I, I think I applied there once actually. Oh, re- oh really? Yeah. I didn't get in, but still. <laughs> so it must be good then. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, is it? I I think so. I think we've got a uh, uh, good facility, good courses, and uh, a really what? incredible bunch of students. So yeah. If your university is centered around the creative arts, I think you know, in terms of teaching creative arts, it must be pretty damn good. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. It's been around for a, a good number of years. It used to be called Kyad. Um, Kent Institute of Art and Design, um, but it uh, it rebranded a few years ago, and uh, yeah, it was, it's great. It's a great place to be. Oh, great! It's a, it's a lovely part of the country, <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm sure none of it will be directly hit by the looming spectre of Brexit. I've got to stop bringing that up. I'm yeah, sorry. I. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, we, we really, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Everyone's fucking talking about it. We don't need to. What we, no. do, need, what we do need to talk about is your previous work, because you've actually worked and collaborated with people on this show before. You've worked on Bubbles 07 and Afterlife, Afterlife Incorporated before, haven't you? Sorry, no, yeah, um, I did a, a cover for Bubbles 07 uh, a couple of years back, and I've, I've known Matt and Gronje for many years, worked with them a couple of times. Really, really great book, really great creators, and they get a host of amazing creators doing the art on those books and uh oh i did a pin-up for uh, afterlife uh, for john for a couple of years ago for the big collection which was mm. which was awesome oh yeah well i've been looking at your work now you've got your portfolio up on your website and oh my god you're prolific and it's all awesome <laughs> thank you <laughs> i mean there's a lot of pin-ups a lot of stuff i really i actually really like uh the uh force awakens sort of pinup thing that you've got going on with ray and color in the background that looks really awesome it's probably the best thing about the force awakens now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> thank you thank you. i just yeah i really wanted to do that um when the film came out i really loved it and uh i just kind of really wanted to create something and sort of redid the cover from the original marvel uh books from the 70s with the new characters i just really enjoyed it yeah, people forget. A lot of people forget that Marvel did the original and did for a, for a long, long time, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The Marvel, the uh, Star Wars uh, comics and graphic novels. And they've done it uh, up until, I think it was up until quite recently. They're not still doing it. Or are they? Because now with the Disney merger. Oh, yeah. No, Marvel um, Marvel have been doing the Star Wars books for a few years now. Yeah, they've mm -hmm. been great. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, I got it confused I've... with Del Rey, who did the uh, books for a long while. Oh, right. Yeah. Or still do it, and before that was banned. I here's the thing with the Star Wars expanded universe and now the canon universe, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I, I always feel this great urge to just dive right in and absorb as much of it as I can. But there's yeah, too, yeah. there's too much. There's too yeah, much. Yeah, there is. They're so prolific, and there's so many things out there that I think it's impossible for any one Star Wars fan to absorb every single story. You need a library the size of the National Portrait Gallery <laughs> just to hold all the books. Oh, yeah, definitely. But the uh, the Star Wars um, comic from Marvel, I think, is a great place to start. And there's there, there's loads of, like, trades of them as well. And, like, you know, it's you can you can get hold of them quite easily, I think. And they're, they're not that difficult to follow. I mean, I, I really like them. Do you know, I, I've uh, started recent, reading recently um, the Tales of the Jedi comics. It's set in the Old Republic. And yeah, yeah, mean, yeah. I don't mean like the Old Republic. I mean like the Old, Old Republic. We're talking like yeah. Exar Kun. And yeah, yeah. I think I might have read those, actually. Yeah, I think I know which ones you were talking about. Yeah. And before that, I read, uh, what was it, uh, the Republic, just Republic uh, comic books, which yeah. is in the, uh, mm. not the New Republic, but not the Old Republic, the old republic there's so many different <laughs> republics like yeah they keep different kinds of republics oh, yeah they keep God. coming back to republic don't they they love that word they keep gonna go keep going back to that one no other systems of government you're wanting your, your universe you know like, it's just it's either an empire or a republic and there's nothing else no it's like they just really want to emphasize that they are not the empire and it is or any sort of thing that like they are republic and that's the end of it yeah we get it, George Lucas. You've got a problem with the British Empire. We get it. <laughs> oh, God. But that was really good. And it was great because it started off with my, um, my favourite background Jedi of all time, Kiadi Mundi. I, I love that guy. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, he, looks, he looks so grandfatherly and so wise. Yeah. And he, 
It's, just, it's just kind of cool. Do you have any uh, like favorite background uh, Star Wars characters? I'm not talking like Obi Wan Kenobi or Anakin or Luke or anyone like that. No, any no, no. Um, um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I kind of like Bosk. Oh yeah, he was, he's quite fun. Um, but in t- I mean, to be honest, I, I, he's not really a background character, but obviously he's been fleshed out a lot more in the comics, and that's obviously I know it's a bit of a cop out, but Boba Fett. Um, you know, because like, well, what did he really do in the way he did stuff? But what did he? There's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you know everyone's going on about Boba Fett? Oh, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba, and I love Boba Fett. Boba Fett is awesome. But here's the thing. The reason why everyone says he's their favorite character is because he sold the most toys. That's why he's got all the comics and all the books. And uh, for a time, there was plans a video game about him and stuff like that. And he makes gap cameos in all the cartoons. It's because he sold the most toys. That's it. It's not because of these incredibly deep and complicated character that was presented in the movies. Yeah. But to be fair, it's a really good toy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be fair, you're absolutely... I'm not saying the toy wasn't great. I'm just saying having a good toy is not does not a good character make. And they did... Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> No, no, we're not. We're not getting this discussion. No. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm an avid toy collector, so you're not talking to the right person with this one, man. I'm always gonna like if they've got a good toy, I'm. I'm in. Uh, right. See, that's the thing. I've never really got into collecting toys. I played with toys when I was a kid, but I never really got into it. As an, I mean, the most recent toy I got was at a comic convention last year. I picked up, oddly enough, a Millennium Falcon toy. It's just it doesn't do anything. It's just a model. It's yeah. a cheap model that. You fit together and that's it. But you know what? I don't care because it's the fucking Millennium Falcon. Zoom. Yeah, I got, I got, I got one of those. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like I don't care because I've always wanted to own a Millennium Falcon. I remember when I was a kid. Every time yep. I was going to the toy shop, I always used to see on the top shelf a Lego Millennium Falcon, priced at nineteen pounds ninety nine sterling. Wow. Uh, and yeah, and it's like, I want, I want. But I, even as a kid, I knew I could never have. It was always <laughs> that forbidden fruit because I knew, I, could, I thought maybe one day I could put it on my Christmas list and then my parents would see it. And I was like, yeah, no, Santa does not have the budget for that, Scott. Yes, <laughs> so I, I, I always knew that I could never have it. And I, it's not Lego, the, the model I've got, but still, you know, it's a little, it's a little childhood thing. Oh, and it's giving me just a small glimpse of satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you're a Star Wars fan, uh, any Falcon will do. To be fair, any any dream will do. Any Falcon will do. I, I'm a firm believer in that. I think, yeah, definitely, absolutely. And it's clear from your portfolio that you're very into your space stuff. You've done other stuff, but you're very into your yeah. space. Yeah, absolutely, love it. Love love all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, huge space fan. Yep. So I mean, you just got a pinup of a uh, just that's just titled "Silver Age Space Woman." Uh, she's just like on a jetpack. <laughs> she's riding through space. There's clearly a ripoff of the N1 Naboo Starfighter in the background from Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> I see your game, Andy. I know where you got that from. Yeah, I mean... but those ships, man. Oh, I tell you what, right? I know Phantom Menace gets a, a, a raw deal from from people sometimes, but the designs of the ships in the in the Old Republic back in you know uh, in in that film they were beautiful. 
some oh. of them, like especially, oh yeah, those those Naboo ships, brilliant. All the designs for all the vehicles and the characters and stuff in the prequel trilogy were amazing. The CGI sometimes was completely another dog shit, but the actual <laughs> designs themselves was great. And this is the annoying thing about fuck. We're going to bring it back at Star Wars. I'm sorry, we're doing this. This is the annoying thing about George <laughs> Lucas when he oh, co- okay. conceptually. It does, I know he's worked with other stuff and they were constant designers to work with that, but he would have had to sign off on all of those designs and he picked clearly the right ones. Conceptually, yep. in terms of ideas, the man is a fucking genius. It's only when he sits down to write a romance scene that he's complete and utter shit. And it annoys me so much about these new movies, the fact that he's been completely cut out of the creative conversation. It's another extreme. Give him too much creative control and the movies will turn out bad. If you don't include him at all, the movies will turn out bad. Because I'll be honest, when it comes to the designs of the new ships and characters and stuff in the sequel, I mean, some of them are okay, I guess, but most of them look pretty just like, most of them look off-brand Star Wars. Just like, the, the, the Resistance fighters are just X-Wings, but slightly different. Like, the engines are in slightly different designs, and they're coloured slightly differently, and that's it. The TIE fighters are still fucking TIE fighters. And the only real difference is, like, uh, I think... Um, What's his face? Uh, emo Darth Vader's. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren <laughs> looks slightly different. And, and that, that's it. That's it. It's fucking boring. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, you're allowed to feel that way. Um, I, Thank I, you. I, I appreciate di- your permission. <laughs> I feel differently. Um, but that's cool. You know, we all like different things. I'm down with that. I, uh, I, I, I just said one thing I do, one design I did like uh, that initially I didn't, but the more I thought about it, the more I really liked it was uh, the cross guard lightsaber of Kylo Ren's. That's actually pretty yeah. damn cool. Yeah, that was rad. I mean, I remember when that the, 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 the first teaser trailer came out and you saw that and, you know, people were kind of going off in different directions, trying to overanalyze like, you, you know, we, like was always going to happen. And I remember just sitting there thinking, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm in. <laughs> you know, people were like, oh, but really, you know, realism. You know, I could cut his hand off, and I was like, I, I, what? You can't talk realism here. <laughs> First of all, yeah, any Jedi holding a lightsaber could cut their bits off, and if if you gave me and a lightsaber, I definitely would cut my bits off. I might be decapitating myself before you could say, now be careful. But here's the thing: <laughs> Jedi have the fucking Force. They're trained in these things. And that's why they're able to defect like blaster bolts because the lighter becomes an extension of themselves and they use the force to make sure they don't cut bits of themselves off. And the cross guard is great for two reasons. One, from a design point of view, it's really good for the fighting and he uses it in a very uh, creative way when he's fighting. And two, you can tell the blade has been like the, uh, the light matrix or whatever you want to call it. It's slightly wibbly. It's a bit unstable. And I think that's a <laughs> metaphor for Kylo Ren's personality, possibly. And uh, see, see, man, that's great. You can look into that and you can you can take stuff out of that. And that's great. And I, I, I firmly believe that the person that designed it just did it and thought, that's badass. Yeah. I, Case, I, then I'm, I'm cool with it. I just really like it. Yeah, I, I like it too. I mean, here's the thing. Um, I'm a skeptic. That's why I wear, I wear the red and blue 3D glasses. It's about the negative and the positive. It, everything is a metaphor. And so I can look at the sequels and I say, okay, I didn't like this, I didn't like this, I didn't like this, but I like that, I like that. And the same with the prequels. I can say with any movie. No movie, well, 
most movies aren't completely utterly shit. There's usually one or two things that are good. And the same with, uh, no, I always believe that uh, no film is perfect. You know, the best films well, yeah. still have something that might be slightly wrong with them. Because here's the thing. Art is a reflection of humanity. I've said that time and time and again. Yeah. And people, humanity, is imperfect. So our art will also be imperfect. And that's, yeah, what, I agree. That's, that's what makes it interesting. Could you even visualize yeah. a perfect bit of art in any sort of expression, or any sort of medium? No, no, you're absolutely right. I agree with you totally. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and speaking of 3D glasses, you nicked mm-hmm. off my look because there's a guy in your comic Samurai Slasher who's wearing 3D glasses. They're mine, Eddie. <laughs> They're mine. No one else well, can have them. Well, uh, I mean, you will have to blame Mike Garley for that one because uh, he was the one that was uh, that decided that he wanted to do 3D for that book. And uh, I was really quite um, honoured and privileged to, to draw it, the, the story that was going to be 3D. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun, which made me want to do 3D for um, issue two of Captain Cosmic. Uh, we did a 3D print for it. So I'm all about 3D. I, I love it. I love working in it. I love it too when it's not done in movies. <laughs> well, even, oh god, this is, oh, we're gonna do, we're gonna rant about three D movies now. This is happening, folks. Uh, it, it works when the nature of the movie fits the nature of three D. And when I say fits, I mean fits coincidentally not made for. Because we all know movies that are specifically made no, I... with three D in mind are shit. I, I, I've actually, I've actually got a bit of a, a tiny rant on this myself. Actually, go uh, for it. No, I'm gonna. Um, no, 3D. I, I haven't seen a 3D film in the cinema for years. Um, as you know, I went to see that Wrinkle in Time uh, in 3D because I think that was the only showing. But it wasn't necessarily through choice. It was just that was the only I'm showing so, they had. I'm so uh, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, I, I, I just tend to not watch them anymore because I feel it just sort of detracts from it. Um, I'll always remember going to see Avatar in the cinema and uh, being blown away by the effects and the 3D and everything like that. But then it turned out like it was like a three-hour epic and you had all of these scenes that were just taking place, like regular scenes of people talking or walking in a corridor in 3D. And it just sort of, after a while, you just think, why? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you take Tron Legacy, for example, when that came out, I went to see that, and all no of the no one would take Tron Legacy. No one wants to take Tron Legacy. They want to leave Tron Legacy oh. alone. Nah, I love that movie. That film is great. Uh, and one of the reasons it's great was in the cinema, everything on the grid uh, was in 3D, but everything in the real world was in 2D. So your eyes never really got used to it, which oh. kind of made it quite good. But then you just get these three out and a half hour epics in 3D, and your eyes just get used to it, and it just doesn't. It gets boring for me personally, obviously. Uh, other people might really, really dig it. But for me, I just, nah. Well, it's a psychological thing. You're tricking your brain into thinking that something is coming out of the screen. But the brain can adapt to anything. So eventually mm. you watch something for long enough and the brain will sort of, I don't know, switch back into normal mode. Uh, it's, like yeah. when, it's like whenever I first put on these 3D glasses. Just kidding. I always keep them on capers. Mm. <laughs> Uh, at first, I see these things as sort of an amalgamation of red and blue, but eventually, it sort of just dissolves into like this weird sort of orangey sort of thing. I don't know. It's yeah, just, yeah. just something I've I've noticed in the years and years and years I've been wearing these things. I'm probably screwing my brain up, but let's be honest, yeah. capers. I don't have a brain to screw up anymore. 
Anyway. Yeah, but no, like I say, like you know, uh, but when it comes to the 3D on a 2D space, like with 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 comics and stuff, I think it can like be amazing. You know, I've got um, Michael Red's Madman in 3D, and that is just breathtaking, like What's, absolutely incredible. I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up because I think your art style uh, it reminded me immediately of Michael Red, specifically his work on uh, Silver Surfer. It was very oh, it, rem- wow. it reminded me very pleasantly of that. But it's oh think, thanks, man. But the the great thing about it is. It's very clear that you weren't trying to mimic his style because I, I do hate it when people do that. It's like, great, you have a favorite artist, but like, let them be you, they be them, and let you be you. But it's clear that yours is just similar, not the same, which is oh, I, I always it, prefer. No, I no, yeah, I'm... it's, it's, I, 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 I kind of love that um, somewhat cartoony, but also very plain sort of pop art Silver Age style. Uh, I love it because I, I love mm. detail. I love things that are fantastically drawn, but sometimes simplicity is all you need. And that's the great thing about a lot of the silver stuff and a lot of uh, Mike Orrid stuff. It's 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 wonderfully detailed, but in a simplistic way. And I mm. think mm, I think your definitely. style is very done that. And it's great because it means we can fully absorb on the page in front of us. It means that we can spot all the little details, little things here and there, but we're not overwhelmed by them. Like, uh, right now, you've got a... Uh, there's a star bear pinup on your portfolio about a bear right. in space shooting a guy in the face and stabbing what looks to be Spock in the chest. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, we've got to yeah, go yeah. search for him all over again. <laughs> and it's great yeah, because yeah. there's so much going on, and yet mm. it's... As you say, it's not overwhelming. We can clearly see all the the agony on Spock's face, and we can clearly see all the. Uh, it's called. It's, it's what I like. I like about it. it's this weird little um thing that happens in a lot of Mike Elwood stuff and uh, the old uh, Jack Kirby stuff as well. Is those little um energy ball things, energy ball Kirby. streams, you know? Kirby Kirby Crackle. Kirby Crackle. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I fucking love Kirby Crackle. Me too, man. It's. Uh, it, I will say this though. It is. Um, it's always one of those things that when I'm drawing stuff at like conventions with people, um, that I, I instantly want to start doing it because I, I love doing it. But it, it, you, you instantly think, oh god, what have I done? Because it's so much of it to do to make it look right, and it's definitely one of those things that I love to do. But you've really got to, you know, mean it <laughs> to oh, yeah. do. It's got to come from a place of sincerity. You can't ever yeah. have. Uh, you can't have a cynical uh, Kirby Crackle. In fact, that's the thing when reading Casper, Captain Cosmic that I first realised about it in terms of a story uh, perspective. That's a nice little segue into talking about Captain Cosmic now. Um, <laughs> is that uh, I thought when I was going to, uh, started reading it that it was going to be a, uh, a sort of a send-up of the Silver Age stuff in terms of a um, like a satire or a parody yep. or something like that. It's not. It's very, no. very sincere. And that's what I love about it, because Captain Cosmic is completely and utterly devoid of cynicism. <laughs> and I, well, that was the, yeah, that was the that was my intention all along. Well, it comes through, and I, I love that, especially in this age, because uh, I, I mean I, I'm a skeptic myself, but you know when other people are cynical about sort of stuff, I kind of like it depending on how they use it and what they use it for and against mm. it. It work can work very well, but it's so refreshing to have something that oh, just. Is just a loving, a love letter to the Silver Age uh, thing without making fun of the tropes or just including the tropes. And being a fun throwback, because sometimes we need that. Well, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it kind of started off 
as a, a just an art project I wanted to do because of my, my love of the Silver Age and the artists that I'm influenced by and that I love um, and all those like old school books. I just kind of wanted to to sort of create something that felt like that and felt like it could have been like a long lost Silver Age comic that you know everyone had forgotten about and kind of uncovered it. And that's kind of just that was my approach. Yeah. So well, uh, you know, sadly it, it though, sadly Andy, there is one thing in your comic that. Um means that it is completely and utterly separate from any uh, Silver Age comic that stands out quite glaringly. Do you want to know what that is? Yeah, go for it. There's no sexism, is in it? <laughs> I mean, if you well, really wanted to do a Silver Age comic, you had to have Captain Cosmic uh, condescend to his sidekick, uh, Kid Cosmic. Uh, well, I mean, she's his daughter, so I didn't really feel like I could be any kind of, like, well, and also, you don't want to put anything like that in there anyway. Really. No. Uh, no, so, yeah. I, I Airbrush yeah. over that part of history. <laughs> well, yeah. No, 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 I get it, I get it. No, it. You can't change it, but we don't have to We don't have to carry it on. Those comics will last forever. We'll never forget them. We'll never forget that time when Mr. Fantastic spanked his wife. Oh, um, God. Yeah, there was, some, there was some stuff in those Fantastic Four books between those two. Um, but yeah, we, we, there was definitely going to be none of that in Captain Cosmic at all. I really hope when we inevitably get an MCU version of Fantastic Four starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, that uh, that doesn't happen because that's going to be weird. That is, that would be an incredible casting though. I would be all over that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt and or, uh, uh, Yvonne Strahovski from, uh, Mass Effect and, yep. and stuff like that. Uh, and Chuck. <laughs> and Chuck. Oh, Chuck. Yeah. oh yeah, of course, Chuck. Oh, um, oh, who else? Uh, let's get Jeffrey uh, D. Morgan as uh, Ben Grimm. Oh uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and uh, just any generic blonde twat to play the Human Torch. <laughs> I I can't think of anyone that I could really, really want to play the Human Torch. A lot of people who could play him and play, who could play don't even have to be blonde, to be honest. Um, no, 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 of course not. But, uh, but no, uh, I, he's definitely one of those characters. Out out of the four, I reckon he's pro he would probably be the easiest to cast. Because... Someone yeah. handsome, someone cocky, and someone who, hopefully, dear God, is mildly charismatic. Uh, otherwise, he's, he's going to get really annoying really fast. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, but he's going to do that anyway. You're, you're, what you're talking about is putting off the annoyance, yeah. as, as you know, make, make that as slow as possible because he's always going to be annoying. But he's still great; like he's a great yeah. character. He is, he is a great character. Oh, <laughs> God, I want it so bad. I want it so bad. And we will we will talk capers about the uh, Fox Disney merger at a later date. Stay tuned for that. We're going to move on for now. So we're going to talk about the Silver Age a lot. Uh, talking about Captain okay. Cosmic. Uh, we yep. have talked about it a lot already. And just so in case the capers don't know, I'm sure they will do, but just in case, what's your, give, give, give us a brief overview of the Silver Age of Comics. Well, um, okay. Okay. Uh, Silver Age of Comics kind of kicked off in the late 50s and was sort of kind of uh, brought in. I mean, I could, I could be just me here, but um, sorry, I can't forget. Um, with uh, the, the Silver Age Flash with Barry Allen. Uh, that's kind of right. Oh no! I hate Don't DC. I hate DC. Oh, I'm not going to apologise for it. I'm sorry. I just did. <laughs> um, so we got we got the Silver Age with uh, with uh, Barry Allen, and um, of, 
and it basically was very much inspired by the the kind of space race that was going along in america at the time so we got a lot of reinterpretations of golden age characters with a more scientific theme behind it so you know silver age green lantern was a space cop the flash was uh, was a forensic scientist you know that sort of stuff but then of course on the other side we got stan lee coming in with the uh with basically the birth of the marvel universe again very well the modern marvel universe shall we say yeah. um with uh with again more science-based characters and yeah that's kind yeah, of that, where I mean, it, the, the human again fantastic four is something that yep. really cemented that and the i mean the first issue is them fighting you know underground mole people and as yep. a uh, golden age character the human torch was uh, part of the was the invaders uh, yeah uh, he was yeah he was the invaders yeah yeah, it was, and I was like, he was like the first actual Marvel character in the Golden Age, back when it was a timely comics. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they brought, they he stole his name, that uh, copycat, <laughs> uh, I know they called him Johnny Blaze. No, that, that's uh, Johnny Storm. <laughs> He's on fire! Someone... That's an easy mistake to make! <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and so when did the uh, Silver Age end? I think, generally speaking, um, it's kind of considered to be uh, late 60s, like maybe 1970, I think. And that's when the, the Bronze Age came in. Yeah, uh, I, I would say either the late uh, late 70s, uh, maybe early 80s, just because uh, they've started to really, that was when they were starting to really grow up a lot. And, and it's, it's tricky, it's tricky. To, it's, it's like, um, I don't know real life equivalent calendar ages it's difficult when you when you live through them and they're so recent it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where the drop off is so don't take our word oh i know like papers, but i know exactly what you mean i mean like the 90s was only like what a couple of years ago yeah where did the time go <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh dear simpler time better time yeah uh, <laughs> but I, I say that that's yeah, a simpler time, a better time, when Rob Liefeld roamed the land. Oh, <laughs> oh God. And, um, and so some of the big, uh, big names of the Silver Age, off the top of my head, was obviously Stan Lee, uh, Jack mm-hmm. Kirby, Steve Ditko. Yeah. And, uh, no, I'm not, I was going to, I would say Marv Wolfman, but that's more Bronze Age, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely more Bronze Age. Uh, over DC, who were some of the people at uh, DC? Was it, was it Gardner Fox? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Uh, Gil Kane, yeah. uh, Carmine Infantino. Uh, um, I mean, Kurt Swan was still going for it back then, so I would kind of count him because his Superman is mm. iconic. Um, but there's just there's just loads. I mean, obviously there was a lot of mix and match because Gil Kane was huge in DC, but obviously was went over and he's he's probably one of one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Spider Man artist ever. So. You know, <gasps> dare you ever impugn <laughs> the grandiose artist stylings of John Romita Jr.? Oh, don't get me wrong, man. John Romita John, John Jr., really? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I love John Romita Sr., but my personal favorite I... artist is John Romita Jr. Oh, fair enough. Like, he's, I love John Romita Jr. I, I met him once. Lovely guy. Absolutely oh. incredible artist as well. Um, his, yeah. his run on Spider Man with, uh, with JMS oh, is. Yeah probably one of my favorite runs of spider-man ever so yeah but uh yeah it's absolutely brilliant yeah and uh i could i could talk all day but i don't know it's (laughs) it's weird when i first uh, saw his style i didn't really like it and it sort of grew on me to the point where it just i I love the again i love the detail i love how it's weird it's like everything's sort of blocky but also so expressive and flowing it's it's like the weird combination mm. of sketchy mm. and solid, 
that I actually really like. And it just it seems to be like an amalgamation of everything that I love about comic book art. That's why I love it so much. Because I, yeah, I, I get that. Because I look at Mike Allred's art again, and I love it. I think it's great. But then I think about other artists that I might like that are a bit more sketchy and a bit more out there. And uh, I, I, it just seems like the perfect middle ground, encompassing all kinds of art in a weird way, whilst also remaining distinct. Oh, yeah. His, as I say, his run on Spider-Man was, was defining for me uh, when I was younger. And I totally agree with what you're saying about the way he draws. It's very much like it's not quite realistic, but it's not quite abstract. It's yeah. very, it's in that like kind of sketchy middle ground. And I kind of feel like he's, he's kind of cornered that, that like middle ground and kind of claimed it for his own. And I love that. Absolutely. And it was, I say, the Silver Age was inspired by the space race. And that's why we started mm -hmm. to see, I mean, we'd had space-esque comics before. We'd had like invaders from the X dimension. Blah, blah, blah. But we, we never really had like a lot of superheroes in space. And that's when we started to get, uh, like well, like Green Lantern, as I say, he's probably the big mm -hmm. one, the big uh, space uh, guy. And then I, the, the, the thing that I keep coming back to in my mind, and I, this character is such a weird thing for me to keep coming back to because I got very know very little about him. But Space Ghost, ah, oh. <laughs> I love Space Ghost. <laughs> I had a feeling you might, because <laughs> I, I mean, so Space Ghost was yeah. an actual. He was like a cartoon uh. character, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from back in the, the 60s, um, ran for a single series um, and was designed by the incredible Alex Toff. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was very generic in a lot of ways, you know, um, as was, I guess, a lot of the stories at the time would be, you know, bad guys versus good guys, good guys win in the end, yada, yada, yada. But, but it was just, it, you know, very kind of whimsical, very, I love it, I own it. I own all of them and I watch them regularly and yeah, I, love, I can, can't recommend it enough. And then, Especially if you like that whole kind of, that kind of Adam West Batman. Like oh, it's yeah. very kind of in that tone, which is great. Giggling galaxies, space kids. Oh, I don't know. Exactly. Did he have, <laughs> I don't know. It's exactly yeah, the yeah. Sort of thing. And yet odd, and it's weird because we keep talking about the Silver Age and space and stuff like that uh, from a very nostalgic point of view, but for, it's for the longest time, it's already been nostalgic, hence why Space Ghost got his own talk show. Space Ghost Coast to Coast, yeah, it was um, uh, it was on the Adult Swim block, wasn't it? They kind of yeah. re-edited all of the old footage. And weirdly enough, the original series ran for a, a single season, but Space Ghost Coast to Coast lasted for like 10 years. <laughs> That's uh, weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fleeting parody lasts forever. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's it's the weirdest thing, and um, but that again, talking about Mike Allred, we mentioned him too soon. His style again, ape the Jack Kirby classic thing with uh, mm -hmm. Madman or Mad whatever it's called, and uh, even further than that, uh, another very sincere, much like your own, uh, aping of that style was the Silver Surfer cartoon. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Silver Surfer cartoon from the 90s. Oh, God, I, I love it. It's great. That kind of um, very much influenced in, um, by the Jack Kirby and John uh, Basima run, mm. which and is just, yeah, golden. I mean, it, it's brilliant. What I love about it, it was, it was so philosophical and so grandiose in its scale and its spectacle. And it only <laughs> ran for one season. And it's, yeah. Again, much like Space Ghost. And 
it was sort of it was at the very end of the Marvel animated universe, as it were. We had like Fantastic yep. Four, Spider Man, X Men. Yep. It was probably also the most mature. X Men was pretty goddamn mature, but then you had Jubilee, like Napped, yep. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't aged very well. None of them have aged very well, except for Silver Surfer. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I mean, you could argue it maybe hasn't now because Thanos was a, a huge part of that series. Um, and obviously with the MCU now. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People's interpretation of Thanos and stuff like that, it's quite different. Um, and even like Gamora pops up in it um, Drax, in a weird way. Drax pops up in yeah, it. It's very yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Um, but I still, I will still go back and rewatch it and love it because they, they, they tried so hard to sort of keep that kind of art style from the the classic Silver Age run in it. Mm. Um, and it just, it just, it's beautiful. It is, it is absolutely beautiful because it, it combines that art style and that sort of animation with mm. uh cgi animation as well yeah so yeah yeah definitely yeah and it, it still looks pretty good for its time i love the ship designs and uh, yep. the alien designs and all sorts of things and it's it's so cool it's so full of pathos and i love it and <laughs> uh, and you can clean uh i mean it's almost like a lot of the jack kirby stuff uh is interchangeable like a lot of the uh you could place one character from what background and switch it with another character from another background. It's a completely different thing, completely different cast of characters and setting and stuff. And it almost feels like the same universe. I mean, that's what I get with Captain Cosmic. I'm looking at the cover right now, and I'm mm. seeing Captain Cosmic and Kiss Cosmic flying through space. Yeah. And it's the same. It's exactly the same. The characters are different, but it, mm. it feels just right at home. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, that's what I was going for. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I think we've, we've, we've gone on long enough. I think it's time we actually fucking talk about the comic itself. So uh, what happens okay. in, the, in the first issue of Captain Cosmic? Uh, in the first issue, there is, um, uh, it's called um, The Mystery of the Missing Planets. And basically, um, it's set in the far off, um, unnamed future. I don't say what year it is or whatever, but we're in the future. And uh, planets have started to disappear. And the the Commonwealth, which is like the the Federation or Republic of the of kind of call upon Captain Cosmic and Kid Cosmic to try and solve this mystery because they're um yeah they're just like planets are missing they're just disappearing like billions of people are missing planets have gone missing and we can't get Doctor Who on the phone you got to see the only <laughs> one well yeah kind of <laughs> and um so yeah they 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 go on the case and uh, they try and find them and they do. 
they find out that there is this, uh, you know, spoilers, I suppose. <laughs> there is uh, a guy called Kenner the Collector who is miniaturizing these planets and keeping them as as a collector. He's sort of, uh, you know, as I am a toy collector, he is a collector of all things and uh, he wants planets and people. It's good to have a hobby. Exactly. And, uh, yes... <sighs> What so I love is, is there's one line he says, it, would, it really wouldn't be a collection without accessories. <laughs> Refer, referring to Captain Cosmic and how he's going to shrink him and put him in, the, in his collection. Uh, and uh, speaking of Captain Cosmic, I really love the design of Captain Cosmic. Uh, yeah, the art style is very Silver Age and it's superbly detailed. He's got the whole square mm. jaw and all, all the definitions. Mm-hmm. Of it looks really great. But I also like, just like the design of the costume. It's very, it's great because it's unique. But it's also clearly inspired by lots of different things. It's got like the little antenna stuff like yep. sticking out and stuff. It's really cool. So it's very clear that the uh, the mask, the face mask, is yep. it's very. You mentioned Adam West earlier. It's yep. very Adam West Batman. Yeah. And it it, 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 it just looks so cool. Well, I mean that kind of. Sp- I mean, uh, like the Adam West series was very much kind of inspired by the comics at the time, which was very much like uh, Dick Sprang, um, who was you know drawing the book at the time. And I kind of was looking at those um, Silver Age Batman books and looking at that design, and yeah, that's there's a lot of influence of that in there. Absolutely, it looks it looks great, and yet it's so it, again the characters are so expressive. It's it's one of those things where because there's not so much going around, you can really get in full front of the of the face of the characters and see every bit of expression on them, and even with the masks on. They, they're so expressive and it just it really helps it really helps sell the action because because it's silver age there's a lot of dialogue lots of people talking a lot of people describing yep. what they're doing and what's going yeah. on yeah and so it can and with that, that sort of stuff it can feel very bland and generic mm. and it's a very uh sort of early superman if you will like with my incredible super weaving powers i shall now weave a quilt using my weaving powers because yes capers he had weaving powers I'm, yeah, uh, was, I'm not making that up. That's real. I'll have to write that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I missed that. It was a bad joke. It was good. You missed it. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's so cool. But also, so there's lots of great dialogue. Lots of great expression. The thing that really caps it off is the action. There's a lot of great action. Is it? <laughs> so Captain Cosmic, his Cosmic, have to fight against a bunch of robots. And one scene I fucking love to bits. It's three panels next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're fighting robots. Captain Cosmic says, but don't lose your heads. And he punches the head off a robot. It, uh, it flies off through the next panel, past um, the collector's head, and into the next panel with the word punch. <laughs> It yeah. spread out across three panels. It's fucking awesome. Cheers, man. Thanks. <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing that page and playing around with the colour as well. Absolutely. The colour, the, uh, those little uh, pop art dot things in the background. And uh, yeah, it looks great. I, I, I'm struggling to think of a single comic I've read that's done something like that in this oh, right. specific way. There probably has been something, but if there has been, I haven't read it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there has been. I'm and, and I can't think. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but that's just because you know it's a Sunday. Um, 
but generally yeah no i think that just sort of came from my my animation background really um i wanted to do stuff like that i kind of part of the whole thing with captain cosmic was to kind of try and create not just like a silver age comic but like a a 1960s superhero cartoon as well you've got like the sound effects the wax the rips the bam the biffs oh yeah you got the, the classics in there Absolutely. And do you, know what, do you know what I love about it as well? It's got that sort of classic uh, cartoon Silver Age sort of thing where uh, the heroes are defeating the bad guys and they're doing it with massive fucking grins on their faces. <laughs> and it just makes them kind of look like psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that certainly wasn't the intent of that. But no, I get what you mean. I, I mean, could definitely I mean, see that. When, when they're hit, it shows and they feel pain. They're not, like, smiling the whole time. Mm. But um, they've just got the massive, massive grin on faces. And, yeah, that's part of the fun of it. And they're just robots. But, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's an image of Captain Cosmic tearing a robot in half with two hands <laughs> at the waist. He's got the biggest smile on his face. It's like he's having the time of his fucking life. <laughs> and meanwhile, the collector is looking on with horror. And just like, oh <laughs> shit, I was not prepared for this level of anarchy. <laughs> no, that's that's very true. Uh, I mean, the whole idea was that it was like positive and, you know, they're just like uh, being kind of, you know, not joking around, but, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to keep the mood, mood light, but I could definitely see how that could come off as maybe slightly crazy. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, it's not something that's a unique to you. It's something like Silver Age. It's something I noticed a lot in, like, the old He-Man cartoon as well. A lot of the time, he just yeah. had this massive grin on his face mm. whilst uh, he was grappling with a villain. Clearly, He-Man has a kinky side. I think we all knew this. <laughs> oh, no, Skeletor! I can't break free of your muscular, strong, comforting grip. Eh, uh, what? I'm just saying, Skeletor, you've, you've really got me. I'm struggling so hard and I can't feel, get free of your taut muscular bonds. Um, you're making me very uncomfortable here, man. I'm okay with that. Well, I'm not! Yeah, that, that you've, yeah, you've nailed the cartoons there. Um, definitely. <laughs> what? Like, that's the only thing I can really do for Skeletor. What? Anyway. Uh, oh, God. Uh, and so, uh, it, it, the comic, it, it ends on the traditional sort of, oh, here we go again, there's another uh, adventure to go off on. But yeah. It's all very, uh, it's it's very uplifting. Uh, so many comics these days would end on a sort of dark, ominous note, like, ooh, there's something creepy out there in space, and it's coming for our heroes. But yeah. No, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just Captain Cosmic and Kid Cosmic jetting off to save the, the day, saying that the Cosmics are on the way, Great backdrop of uh, like the planets and the sun and space and stuff. And next issue, the curse of the Phantom Spaceman. Clearly, Space Ghost is going to make a cameo. <laughs> um, well, I, I kind of wanted... Um, I mean, not only did I want the, the comics always to end on a positive anyway, but I kind of want each issue to be self-contained as well. Like, I didn't want to do... I mean, I may do it in the future, but at the moment, each issue is essentially a jumping-on point for anybody. Um, so that's kind of part of the reason why it ends the way that it does. Yeah, and because that's how they very much were at the time. Because yeah, uh, there are so many comics these days have so long storylines going on, and they have mm. arcs and stuff, and that's all very well and good. But back in the day, they were largely self-contained. Maybe they'd be two-parters or something like that. But uh, it was it was very yeah. episodic. It wasn't serialized, and yeah, that's uh, because. I don't want to say that's because they didn't take them seriously at the time, but they were just spent, meant to be like pick them and read something for kids to spend their pocket, pocket money on. They weren't the industry exactly. then that they are now. Exactly. And so, yeah. and so it's, 
And so it's interesting you've gone back to that sort of style, and it's 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 everything that's everything that sort of style from the whole frontier comics uh, <laughs> logo to the uh, also feet like on like on the uh, on the cover. It's not just got Captain Cosmic and Kid Cosmic on the cover. Yeah. It also says it's Captain Cosmic also featuring Kid Cosmic. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. And the thing, the top, the cherry on the nostalgia Sunday. I absolutely fucking love this. The little, little logo saying "Approved by the Cosmic Code." <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, the Comics Code Authority. <laughs> yeah. Those fascists. Well, that's right. Well, well, it's not the comics code; it's the, the cosmic code. So, completely different. Completely different. <laughs> I, mean, the, I mean, a lot of people have been sort of parodying that sort of thing because it's so irrelevant nowadays. I mean, there's a bit of regulatory stuff when it comes to comics, same as any sort of medium. Yeah. But uh, the, people love to make fun of them. What the thing I loved about the uh, the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, one of many things I loved about that movie, mm. was mm. Uh, after all the logos and stuff, it had just had filling up the screen approved by the Comics Code Authority. For seemingly no reason, it's just sort of there, and it's just kind it, of I, awesome. It's because um, even though obviously it's completely irrelevant now, it, that that symbol was is you know it, it's a staple of comics history, you know, um, and I mean that's why I put it on the cover of, of my book because of that. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's iconic in its own right. It's like uh, no. it's like the Hayes Code of uh, the old uh, American uh, cinema. That had very strict moral guidelines about what you can and can, could not do. Just down, not even just what you could show, but the kinds of storylines you could do. One thing I really liked about that old uh, uh, code was, um, for the Hayes Code, you could have someone murder someone, anyone murder someone, right. but you couldn't show them get away with it. They could, no one could ever get yeah. away with murder. And I find that so fascinating. Well, that's, the kind of stories uh, they had to change because that's that. why uh, that's why the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was uh, banned, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> the ending. Spoiler! I mean, <laughs> spoiler! Yeah, spoiler! But, uh, in case you missed that horror icon from the seventies, uh, but, but uh, yeah, uh, at the end, you never know. Just, yeah, you, you do never know. That's fair enough. But so, it is it's interesting to see how it's weird it's because the whole point of that of the Hayes Code and the Comics Code Authority was to make sure that, you know, kids would expose to something that uh, would, uh, you know, be that bad or damaging for them. But we as a society, as a comics reading, as a film watching society, have grown up to the point where we don't need it. So now kids can read that sort of stuff. I mean, the kids mm-hmm. aren't going to go see like the Texas fucking Chainsaw Massacre nowadays. Mm-hmm. No. Because we've got other regulatory bodies and other, like, parents are much more aware of stuff like that. But it's interesting to see how, in their attempt to make sure kids didn't grow up too fast, yeah. we grew up and sort of abandoned it. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I think a lot of the time, maybe it has something to do with them being too, too um, constricting with the rules. You know, so, like, with the comics code, I think one of the reasons why the comics code started to, to, to fall away in terms of its relevance was when, you know, people like Stanley decided they, they were going to do a story about drugs and mm. decided to get rid of the comics code for a couple of issues. And when they had that ability to do that, to tell these stories, which were important issues and realizing that this authority was actually trying to stop that, well, maybe this authority is not doing the job that it thinks it should be. 
And I think it's yeah. kind of part of the reason why a lot of these things sort of fall away because sometimes maybe they're a bit too constricting. Yeah, it's, it's, it, when you're getting in the way of stories that need to be told and need to be told in an honest, mature and frank way that's accessible to children especially and ways that they can understand presented through uh, characters that they love uh, and are familiar with, it can be very effective. And there's another side to that which where, where it feels very after-school special and it's done in a very poor way. I'm looking at you, cartoon all-stars to the rescue. Remember that? <laughs> with, where they're trying to get like the Muppet babies to teach kids yeah. about drugs and it yeah. backfired horribly. It was awful. I'm sorry, Ronald Reagan. It's not going to work, okay? Maybe you exactly. focus more on the AIDS crisis. You... <laughs> I don't know. That's a separate rant. But uh, yeah, it's... It's great because kids learn so much about, this is something I've always said in the show, kids learn a lot about the world through the mediums they watch. That's kind of why I hate Disney so much, because they taught so many bad lessons for so many years and still kind of do to this day, although they're getting better. Mm -hmm. And and you need some sort of oversight to make sure kids aren't being exposed to something that they definitely should uh, not be watching. But I always, I hate the fact that there existed... A haze co- a c- code that were fine with uh, showing kids that hey maybe consent is optional Snow White, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what my takeaway from that movie. But they're not okay with showing kids that the world can be a bit of a unjust place and sometimes bad people can get away with stuff, but only if good people do nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it can be the very backwards thing. And this is why I think more than anything, you can have regulatories, you can have the BBFC, you can have uh, the MMPA, whatever it's called, or the Commerce Code or whatever. Yep. But it's down to the parents. It's always down to the parents to make sure that they know what media their kids are watching mm-hmm. and that, yep. that they know that it's appropriate to their kids uh, on an individual basis, like on a step-by-step, case-by-case basis. And that it's something that they know their kids are going to learn something from. And that if they do have questions about it, that they can engage their kids with. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, yeah, <laughs> it's not that difficult. Uh, this, is, this is the problem because <laughs> I grew up in a household that wasn't very media savvy. And so my parents were fine just shoving right. the, any Disney flick on. And which is, and thankfully, I grew up and started looking at those movies from a critical perspective. Which is mm. why I wouldn't, if I ever have kids, I would never show my kids Snow White because that film is fucking twisted. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so Captain uh, Cosmo, that's the first issue we talked about. How many yep. issues are out? Uh, so far, um, issue two is out right now um i did uh- hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, keep sticking out just before Christmas or just, yeah, about that, about November time, I think. Yeah. And so how many issues can we hope to or expect to see on Casbick Captain Cosmic? Oh, as many as uh, I, I want to do, really. I'm currently writing yeah. issue three um, mm-hmm. and I have uh, a story for issue four. 
Um, but it's all about whether I can fit it in with other work because it, I mean, because it's my book. It's my, you know, I write it, I draw it, I do everything for it. Um, it. You know, it all depends on how I can fit it around everything else, really. But yeah, as, as many as I want to, really. Like I say, I've got four and well, another two planned out at the moment. Well, I think I think that's good because I mean, so often we have people who are like saying, "Oh, I'm going to do X amount and X amount, and I'm going to see how far I can go." But it, it is kind of like you, you kind of I'm, the impression I'm getting is that you're kind of doing it for yourself, but it's accessible to other people. Yeah, know? that's exactly it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty a good way of doing it. Uh, de- it depends on your motivations, mm. but because so often people, you know. They just do comics that are just for themselves and no one else can really get into them because it's very unique to your mm. stars and your sensibilities. But this is a very accessible comic. It's accessible, A, because if you're, if you're very familiar or nostalgic for the Silver Age, but also this is a comic that a lot of kids nowadays who aren't familiar with the Silver Age should definitely read or at least check out. They may like it, they might not, but it's good to remind people about where you know, our comics today came from. Definitely. It's good to have yep. those throwbacks. It's good to remind ourselves because it's, it's, it's a foundational sort of thing. It's very much like an, an, an earth sort of sediment, if you will. There's a lots of, you take a, I don't know, cross cut of the comics history and it's important to see that sort of era because each era builds upon the next and that's how we get to where we are now. Yeah, yeah. And, or, and always remember your history and always remember, you know, what we liked about it and what maybe didn't work about it. And you, mm-hmm. thankfully, you've included all the stuff that did work from the Silver Age into, into this work. And it, because of that, it works very, very well. And it's interesting that you say that this is just, just you that you've done this for, mm. because so you have collaborated with other people before. Yeah. And one of the, the interesting collaborations you've done is your work with uh, film stuff and uh, actual animation because you say yeah. you're an animator you've yeah. worked on other stuff i've had a look at a few of your videos you've done like a music video called far by pony you've done like short films yeah and um some of them are hand-drawn yeah and some of them use stop motion animation yeah so so what what could you do uh i mean so is there anything particularly like about the uh two different animation styles or um I mean, I, I, I like I say, I, I, I did my degree in animation. Um, I love, I love animation. I mean, I have since I was a kid, like most people, but I just sort of never grew out of it. Um, I love just visual storytelling, which is why, obviously, I, I do love comic books as well. Um, but I, I sort of tried when I was at university. I tried to experiment with all different types of animation as I could. Two D was always was always going to be my because you know hand drawn stuff with like paper and then more more digital. Um, mm. but, but, uh, but stop motion, there's just something quite amazing about it. Um, there's something quite, um, <laughs> I might, might I think it's, that... a, it's a very British thing. Uh, in other countries, stop motion, I mean, it's there, but it's not quite as prolific. It's getting a bit of an upsurge now with things like, uh, Leica, that yep. studio who did like yep. the box trolls and, yep. Yep. uh, Cooper and the Two Strings, which is one of my favorite animated movies of all time, to be honest. Uh, looking forward to their, uh, Bigfoot movie that's coming out, but it's it's something that's yeah, been yeah, very yeah, prolific, especially in, especially for a children's animation. It's something that's a lot yes. featured a lot over here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. I mean, I've always I I've, I kind of said to my students as well that I've I've never felt more like an animator than when I was on set making stop motion films because there's just something about bringing this inanimate object to life and then like pressing play and seeing the footage that you've done and making this this like I say this this object 
come to life it's just it's just wonderful um there are some pitfalls you have to deal with gravity which is uh, sometimes not fun um that bastard well yeah it's kind of the only type of animation that you do have to worry about that with um but it's it's just it's so much fun and it's so i find it's to do of it and yeah it's just it's, it's great yeah it's absolutely great and um you come up with some fascinating stuff that's some that's very uh i wasn't sure what to expect <laughs> considering your other work and i found it to be very uh very absorbing in terms of um I mean, there's one movie, uh, Petrified, yes. which is, I found to be very unsettling. Yeah. And then there's another movie that you did with stop motion called Up, Up and Away, yep. uh, which is 10 years ago now you did that. Um, and That was a graduation I, I, film. Yeah, and it, it really works. It really holds up. I find that as, as a kid who stayed a lot, spent a lot of his time in his room reading his comics, <laughs> I really fucking like that, that sort of story. One thing I found very, uh, very, very interesting is you collaborated with Joseph Gordon-Levitt on a short film about <laughs> your rights in America in terms of taking pictures. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> How the fuck did that come about? <laughs> um, well, um, he has an online production company called Hit Record which is sort of like a, a community that anybody can join in with. And then um, lots of projects get created and calls go out to the community saying, right, we're making this project for um, whatever reason, who wants to get involved? And then people can get involved. And, and that came about because I was kind of part of the community already, sort of doing bits and pieces here and there. And they had a block reserved for Sundance 2012. And I got an email from one of the producers saying, we've got this music video, well, this this a music animation video that we want to do for, for one of the uh, films to show at Sundance. Would you be interested in uh, animating it? And I said, yes. <laughs> and then they said, you've only got, well, uh, well, yes. But then they said, well, you've only got five days to do it. Oh. And I said, okay. okay. I said, okay. And they said, would you be interested in having a, a Skype chat? I said, yes. And next thing I know, I'm having a conversation with Jared, the producer, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was directing it. And we were just, us three were just sitting there trying to hammer out the details of this film that we had less than five days at this point to make. And I didn't sleep for a week. <laughs> well, I, I, despite the short turnaround and the lack of sleep, I think it turned out very, very well. Thanks. <laughs> It's very funny, it's very whimsical, it's very informative, which I think is the main point. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you can't really go wrong with, uh, like, the ghost or spectre or the cosmic, I don't know, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Teaching a little girl about her right to, about photographing protests and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it was very much around the Occupy movement that was going on at the time as well. So that was a huge part of it. This was uh, 2012, this was. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we've had no protests since of any sort of kind. You know? <laughs> we've been very quiet on the protest front. Not, not a lot of people going out there expressing their dissatisfaction with anything, really. No, that, that certainly hasn't happened at all in great numbers of about, apparently, two million people. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about it. We won't talk about it. We won't talk about it, no. I, 
I mean, and it is very good animation. It, I mean, it's not as involved as some of your other animation or other stuff I've seen. No. But uh, it's it's still good. It's still good in quality and does the job it's set out to do. So I appreciate I think it, yeah. It's great. I appreciate it, man. I mean, yeah, basically, all the stuff that was in that film was created by the people in the community. And we were kind of put out this call saying, right, we have five days to make this film. Here are the characters. Can You know, who can design what? And it was literally like we had to work with what was coming back at the time um so the, the the characters are obviously quite disjointed in terms of styles but you know i had uh, a good little i had a good little team of animators working with me um across the world i might add that's the thing like everyone yeah. was like i think i had a one animator in germany another one in uh somewhere in america and yeah then there was me in britain sort of like coordinating it all and it was yeah like i say for, for the time that we had um, and the materials that we had, I think, yeah, I think we, I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah, I mean, I know people who couldn't make that sort of level of quality and that sort of thing in like five months, <laughs> let alone five days. So credit to you, sir. Very well done. Thank you. So, so uh, you did a Kickstarter for uh, Captain Cosmic yep. uh, issue one. Yep. Uh, have you, are you doing a Kickstarter for issue three or any of the future issues? I will. When? Um, I'm still writing the script right now. Uh, sorry, yeah, um, I, I will be doing one. Um, I'm writing the script right now. Um, mm. I'm hoping, hoping, depending on what happens, that maybe we can launch sometime in May. Because um, I, I really, when I when I do Kickstarters, I want to have. I, I usually like to have the book very much done before I even do a Kickstarter, so that as soon as it's finished, I can send the book to print. Like, and then there's no delay. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how. I've operated with people and they're doing their Kickstarters in the past and it worked really, really well. So I, so I, I just need to write it and draw it <laughs> and then do the Kickstarter. Absolutely. I think that should be the process. Write it, draw yep. it, then, you know, get the money for it. Yes. Yeah. Absol absolutely. And, uh, and so those Kickstarters, they work out uh, all right. They go pretty well. Sorry, say again. And so those Kickstarters, how well did they go? Yeah, they, they did. Re I had, a tremendous um a tremendous support on it from people i mean i always kind of have a, a a low um target anyway because i have a very clear view of like this is the amount of books i, I want to print um and i think yeah i've, I've had a, a, a incredible response from people which is on both of them hmm. but it's, it's clear to see why these are very well made but i mean this is something this is something i, I like about chasm cosmic it feels very I mean, you can kind of tell because of the quality of uh, the design and the quality of the uh, the art and stuff like that. But even though I did read just a digital copy, but it, it does feel like I just I'm just reading a comic from the Silver Age. <laughs> it feels like it, it's a time traveling comic book. It feels <laughs> so authentic. I think people are going to respond to that very positively. Mm. Well, I hope so. I hope, I hope so. And people seem to you know have have responded quite nicely to it. So that's that's great. But Oh yeah, you're getting acclaimed, sir. I guess I damn, <laughs> damn well is people have responded really positively. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I really want to read issue two now, especially if it's in 3D. Oh, I'm going to get me some of that 3D goodness. Um, that, the the issue isn't in 3D. There was a there was a 3D print I did with it. All oh, right, I see. Okay. All right, then. Okay, fine. Take my dreams away and crush them. Why don't you? Why don't you? Oh, I'm God? sorry. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm terrible. Do you know there's so few media out there? That is out there for me with my 3D glasses. Oh. Everything I read 
I am oppressed. I am. I'll will send you the three D print. You can you can have a look at it. So uh, that's the future of Captain Cosmic. Mm. Uh, what other stuff have you got in the works that you can tell us about? Ooh, uh, I've got a couple of things, actually. I've recently, I can't talk too much about it, but I've just recently done my first work with Rebellion, which, Ooh. yeah, which has been great. Um, I've got some work coming out in the two specials. They Well, they've got a number of specials coming out um, over the course of the next few months, and I've, I've worked on a couple of them. Uh, there's the Core Buster um special that's coming out i believe next month that i've got a story in and the tammy and the recently announced tammy and jinty special coming out in the summer which yeah i'm really excited for those well yeah that, that, is, that is exciting yeah yeah it's, yeah ooh, you're making it welcome to the big leagues kid <laughs> no well like i say they're they're they're, um, they're short stories um I uh, I wrote one for the Tammy and Jinty. I wrote drew that one, but the one in the the core and Buster one, I um, I worked with a, a writer on that one. Which, but really incredible experience. Really great working with those t- with with those guys, the the different editors and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for them to come out. As well, you should be. It, the future looks future looks pretty bright for you. And so the capers know. We always ask this: You going to any cons in the future? I'm not actually. No, <gasps> I know. Uh, I'm taking a bit of a back uh, a back seat this year uh, for for a variety of reasons. Um, I was meant to go to a con at the end of this month, but they've had to. That was the only one I had on my calendar so far. Um, but I'm not going to be at MCM either. So no, not not for the foreseeable future. I'm afraid. Oh dear, the capers are going to be crushed. Oh, I'm busy. sure. I'm sure at one point in the future you'll be able to make it to Recon and capers will be able to see you and that stuff. But if, in, just in case they don't, I'll be providing a link in the show notes uh, to uh, your website www.awcliff.co.uk, uh, where they can check out all your stuff. And uh, there's a shop there where they can buy your shit. <laughs> yeah, there is yeah. definitely. Yep, there's. Plenty of opportunity capers for you to check out some of Andy's awesome, awesome stuff. And so, what? What's this? We got here. You got uh, Avengers: Captain Cosmic uh, issue one and two print edition. Uh, you got uh, Prince Captain Cosmic flying through space. Pr- oh, I really like the look of that print. Actually, that looks really cool. I'm checking that out now. Hang on. <laughs> Let's see. What- oh, that looks <laughs> that looks really cool. Uh, you know what? It's got the that a classic um silver age like background swoosh like that beam that yeah. shows people are flying yeah i really like i don't is there, is there a word for that is it like the kirby crackle um i don't think so i think it's just a i think it's just a swishy let's go with swishy thing i like that swishy thing it's yeah. a swishy thing it's a swishy thing let's Copy- go with it copyright scott james marriage 2019 and uh, yeah and it, and it, that looked that really cool oh dear Thank you. Uh, it, I, it's only five pounds yeah I kind of want to get it. I think I'm going to get it. No, I just... <laughs> wait till my next paycheck, then I might just get it because that looks really cool. I, there's space on my walls yet. I could put take down one of my modern posters. I've got so many posters. It's like I'm still in university. I don't. I don't even care. I'm not going to put them in frames. I put them on blue tech and I stick them against the wall because I am authentic. Why not? You be you, man. I will be me. I will be me. I don't have a choice. If I had a choice to be someone else, I fucking would be. But I'm me. So therefore, that is what I shall be. <laughs> so, 
Uh, on that note, Capers, I think we're going to end the show. Thank you very much for joining me today. It's been lovely having you on the show. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. No, it's been weird is what it's been. It's been weird. <laughs> who, who, who doesn't like weird? It's fine. It's great. I've, I've had fun. Why change now? Exactly. And if you enjoy the show, Capers, please tell your friends, shout them on the rooftops. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to some of our other super episodes, like when we talked about Half-Life Incorporated or Bubbles of Seven. They're still great. You should check them out. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, Poppy, YouTube, Spotify, or at podcapers.com. We have a Patreon. Check out the rewards. Patreon.com forward slash AP2HYC. Or if you want to... Uh, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, suggest show topics, or maybe come on the show yourself, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AP2HYC, or email us at podcapers at AP2HYC.com. Uh, thank you very much to Dan Harris for our logo, the lovely microphone with the red and blue 3D glasses. Those are mine, and nobody else's! This has been Podcapers, the official podcast for a place to hang your cape. Cue the music! Cue the music!